If I don't tell you, who will? Part two. Hey, this is Doc Washburn. I don't want anybody to ever say, Doc, why didn't you warn us? Why didn't you tell us? Okay, I got a letter here, January 17th, 2024, from former, that is retired, high-ranking officials of the FBI. And it's addressed to Speaker of the House Mike Johnson, Majority Leader of the United States Senate, Charles Schumer, Chair of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, Mike Turner, Chair of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, Senator Mark Warner, Chair of the Committee on Homeland Security, Mark Green, and Chair of the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, Senator Gary Peters. Subject, the United States is facing a new and imminent danger. And this is what it says. Dear Mr. Speaker, Senate Majority Leader, and Chairman, as former senior executives of the Federal Bureau of Investigation with deep experience combating dangers to the nation, we write to express our concern about a current specific threat that may be one of the most pernicious ever to menace the United States. The danger arises from the nature of the threat itself. Wars and espionage and bombings and riots are sadly familiar delivery systems of instability, intimidation, and insecurity. The country has faced these and more throughout its history and has held together, though not without struggle. The threat we call out today is new and unfamiliar. In its modern history, the U.S. has never suffered an invasion of the homeland, and yet one is unfolding now. Military-aged men from across the globe, many from countries or regions not friendly to the United States, are landing in waves on our soil by the thousands, not by splashing ashore from a ship or parachuting from a plane, but rather by foot across a border that has been accurately advertised around the world as largely unprotected with ready access granted. It would be difficult to overstate the danger represented by the presence inside our borders of what is comparatively a multi-division army of young, single, adult males from hostile nations and regions whose background, intent, or allegiance is completely unknown. They include individuals encountered by border officials and then possibly released into the country, along with a shockingly high estimate of gotaways, meaning those who have entered and evaded apprehension. 
In light of such a daunting, unprecedented penetration by uninvited foreign actors, it is reasonable to assert that the country possesses dramatically diminished national security at this time. The nation's military and laws and other natural protective barriers that have provided traditional security in the past have been thoroughly circumvented over the past three years. In 2021, the demographics of those crossing the porous southern boundary started to shift. Young men from around the world traveling alone and holding questionable motivations dramatically increased in number to become the most common profile of those breaching the nation's borders. A startling number have been found on the terrorist watch list or are from countries designated as state sponsors of terror, distinctly unfriendly to the United States. This is particularly alarming in light of the Hamas terror attack on Israel last October 7th. Those of us who have fought terrorism know that, historically, successful terror attacks invite mimicry. By that, of course, he's talking about copycats. We know as well that terror leaders intentionally cultivate throngs of young men possessing a certain easily manipulated personality type to carry out atrocities. It is stark to say so. But having a large number of young males now within our borders who could begin attacking gatherings of unarmed citizens in imitation of October 7th and at the behest of a foreign terror group must be considered a distinct possibility. We would be remiss not to call out this potentially grave threat in the most direct terms. The warning lights are blinking, and yet this very real concern does not seem to be getting the focus it logically deserves. The director of the FBI has correctly assessed an elevated threat level since October 7th, but relatively little discussion has followed highlighting unsecured borders as a significant cause of this increasingly dangerous environment. It is a troubling concern that needs illumination, not avoidance. Any violation of the nation's immigration laws increases risks, but the surge in numbers of single military-aged males descending upon American cities and towns is alarming and perilous. Additionally, they are not just from terror-linked regions, but from China and Russia as well, hostile adversaries of the U.S. with aspirations to devastate national infrastructure. For these reasons, elements of this recent surge are likely no accident or coincidence. These men are potential operators in what appears to be an accelerated and strategic penetration, a soft invasion designed to 
gain internal access to a country that cannot be invaded militarily in order to inflict catastrophic damage if and when enemies deem it necessary. This new reality, this never-seen-before threat, deserves greater attention. The borders need to be secured against these young men and those already here illegally must be identified and removed without delay. This will take the coordinated, cooperative efforts of the FBI, Department of Homeland Security, and the rest of the intelligence community to achieve. We encourage these actions and much greater congressional attention to this threat. The country has been invaded, an invasion that will continue as long as the nation's enemies perceive it will be tolerated. Until it is stopped, the United States is extraordinarily less safe and secure. Knowing all of this, it would be a shameful travesty if some terrible attack, a preventable attack, were to occur against innocent Americans or the infrastructure that keeps the nation safe and functioning. The government will have failed grievously in its duty to protect. And it's signed sincerely, Kevin R. Brock, Assistant Director, Directorate of Intelligence, Federal Bureau of Investigation, retired, and Principal Deputy Director, National Counterterrorism Center, former. Also, Mr. Chris Swecker, Assistant Director, Criminal Investigation Division, Federal Bureau of Investigation, retired. Timothy J. Healy, Director, Terrorist Screening Center, Federal Bureau of Investigation, retired. Ruben Garcia, Jr., Executive Assistant Director, Criminal, Cyber, Response, and Services Branch, Federal Bureau of Investigation, retired. Mark Morgan, Assistant Director, Training Division, Federal Bureau of Investigation, retired. Acting Commissioner, Customs and Border Protection, former, and U.S. Border Patrol Chief, former. David Shady, Assistant Director, Counterintelligence Division, Federal Bureau of Investigation, retired. Jody Weiss, Special Agent in Charge, Philadelphia, FBI, retired. Superintendent, Chicago Police Department, former. David Mitchell, Special Agent in Charge, Milwaukee, FBI, retired. Commissioner of Safety, Tennessee, Director of Homeland Security, Tennessee, former. William Gavin, Assistant Director, Inspection Division, FBI, retired. And last but not least, Timothy McNally, Assistant Director, Los Angeles Division, FBI, retired. So they're saying, hey, we're sitting ducks, and these guys could kill a lot of people, and nothing's being done about this, and we're trying to warn you, and none other than uh, Wisconsin Center Ron Johnson retweeted this letter out there on his Twitter profile, what they call X now. And he said, this sobering letter from former FBI, Homeland Security, and other law enforcement officials describes the chilling reality of why Biden's open border is a clear and present danger 
to America. Like I say, I don't want anybody ever to be able to say, hey, Doc, you knew, but you didn't tell us. Why didn't you tell us? What's up with that? Now, the great reporter, Michael Schellenberger, over at Substack and the, uh, the news platform at Substack called Public, Schellenberger was one of the guys that Elon Musk led in to uh, look at the Twitter files when Elon Musk took, took charge of, uh, of Twitter. Schellenberger was one of the reporters who got a lot of the, uh, the dirty laundry, as it were, from the old ownership and management of Twitter out there. Very sharp reporter. And he's got an article entitled Bombgate. This video proves FBI is covering up the truth about the January 6th bomb. Subtitle, We Must Be Blunt, the FBI is a dangerous, politicized, and rogue agency that must be brought to heel. Now, we have a statement from Schellenberger that I think I owe it to you to share with you. And this is a little less than, uh, than five minutes long. I have some very shocking news to tell you. The FBI says that a pipe bomb almost killed Vice President Kamala Harris on January 6th, 2021, while she was at the Democratic National Committee headquarters building in Washington. The FBI says that the suspect, who is still outstanding, planted a pipe bomb just about right here outside the DNC. The FBI is urgently requesting that all of us think about who we might know who might have been acting suspiciously around then. Since January 5th, you may have noticed changes in someone you know. And report them. Any emotion you feel is inappropriate is worth reporting. And FBI is offering a half million dollar reward for information leading to the arrest of the perpetrator. And yet the person who was in charge of the FBI investigation now says Vice President Harris was never at risk and that the bomb couldn't have detonated while she was at the DNC. Harris herself never spoke of the incident, even though it was highly shocking and would have been a very powerful political weapon for her to wield against former President Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans. In Congress, a special January 6th report never even mentions the alleged bomb, outside of a footnote. The January 6th Capitol riot was an embarrassment to us as a country. At the same time, it could have been easily avoided had Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell approved the National Guard troops that the Capitol Police Chief had requested. On January 3rd, I requested the assistance of the National Guard to support our perimeter and was denied by the two sergeant-in-arms over the concern for politics and optics. And the fact that they didn't is not just a mystery, but further evidence there was a secret effort to, at a minimum, allow the riot to occur. All right, the uh, the voices you heard, the female voice, first female voice was a CNN reporter, and that most recent voice there was uh, Stephen Sund, who was the... Uh, Capitol Hill police chief saying, hey, man, I wanted some help, uh, but they wouldn't give me any. And then they fired him like the day after January 6th. Now, a newly released video shows Capitol Police and Secret Service officers behaving oddly relaxed after learning that there is a dangerous pipe bomb just a few feet away from them. They even allow a group of children to walk right by it. A former FBI agent says the so-called bombs look like government training devices, dummies, not real bombs. In fact, it's all much worse than that. The FBI released video of the suspect who planted the bomb. The 
person is on his cell phone. That means the data should have been available to the FBI, but it wasn't. Why? Well, according to the FBI official who was in charge of the investigation, the cell phone data was corrupted. If that was the only strange occurrence, you might dismiss it. But also consider the January 6th committee deleted over 100 encrypted files just a few days before Republicans took over the House of Representatives. The supposed bomb itself was left out in the open, which meant the Secret Service should have easily seen it had they done what their bylaw required to do, which is sweep the site before the Vice President of the United States enters the building. An independent security expert did a threat analysis of this bomb scare and told us that, quote, had the Secret Service conducted a regular security sweep, they 100% would have found the bomb. It's in plain sight. You'd have to be blind not to find it. And a source told CNN that the Secret Service did, in fact, sweep the site, which means that either the device wasn't there when the Vice President arrived on January 6th, or that Secret Service ignored the device. In either situation, the official FBI story is a lie. Making matters more suspicious is the fact that the person who headed up the FBI investigation also headed up FBI efforts to entrap a destitute group of men in Michigan to plot to kidnap the governor. But defense lawyers said the four were just big talkers, sometimes fueled by drug abuse, who were spurred on by no fewer than 12 undercover FBI agents and informants. Some of the kidnapping suspects were convicted, but then later they were acquitted after the defense attorneys found evidence of FBI entrapment. I'm afraid the evidence strongly implicates the FBI in both spreading disinformation about January 6th and even participating in it. We knew that there were 200 undercover federal informants in the crowd. There's video footage showing Capitol Police officers allowing protesters to enter the Capitol building. And now we have evidence that the supposed January 6th bomb could not have detonated on January 6th and might not have even been a bomb. There is supposed to be an Inspector General investigation of this incident, but there are reasons not to trust it, given the FBI's punishment of whistleblowers that we and other independent journalists have documented. The January 6th Capitol riot is used today to advance what is accurately called disinformation. It's being used to suggest that Trump supporters tried to overthrow the government. That's factually incorrect. Now there's evidence coming out that elements within the federal government may have worked to encourage the Capitol riot in the first place and create a bomb hoax as well. We need to get to the bottom of this issue. America desperately needs a nonpartisan blue ribbon commission to investigate January 6th. Barring that, we need Congress to step up its oversight role and start demanding answers to their questions from the FBI. If they don't get them, then they must act to impeach its director. All right, that's Michael Schellenberger. He has, uh, he's doing a lot of reporting over at Substack. And the Substack news platform called uh, Public. And you can subscribe and get all of his stuff for $9 a month. And I don't subscribe to much. But when I saw that, I'm like, shoot, that's easily worth a lot more, $9 a month. So let me give you uh, what he's saying in this latest article here. Schellenberger says the U.S. Department of Justice has charged over 1,200 people with federal crimes related to the January 6, 2021 Capitol riot in order to convict those individuals. The DOJ has relied heavily on 14,000 hours of surveillance video as well as cell phone data, some of which somebody leaked to the New York Times. Charlie Warzel and Stuart A. Thompson 
wrote at the New York Times in 2021, and I quote, the data we were given showed what some of the tech industry might call a God view vantage of that dark day. It included about 100,000 location pings for thousands of smartphones. While there were no names or phone numbers in the data, we were once again able to connect dozens of devices to their owners, tying anonymous locations back to names, home addresses, social networks, and phone numbers of people in attendance. The New York Times authors had less cell phone data than what the FBI had available to it, and yet amazingly, the cell phone and video surveillance data of the suspect who committed the worst crime on January 6th are, according to the FBI, corrupted and or missing. And what was the worst crime? The attempted assassination of Vice President-elect Kamala Harris while she was at the Democrat National Committee building. In other words, while the FBI had cell phone data for the January 6th protesters, none of whom tried to kill anyone, it doesn't have the cell phone data for the one person who did try to kill somebody. And while the FBI had 14,000 hours of high-quality surveillance video for the January 6th protesters, it somehow does not have any video of the suspect actually leaving the bomb right across the street. Nor does it have high-quality video, including from the best angles, of the suspect. That's an unbelievable coincidence. And it gets worse. And we will tell you how it gets worse. In mere moments here, as the Doc Washburn Show continues. If you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com and pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase a vehicle online if you have any questions. One of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live in the continental U.S., redriverauto.com. You'll be glad you did. I want to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, migraines? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life and migraines year-round. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away and the migraines went away for good. 
Whatever malady you're suffering from, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped so many people I know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com. Click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I sure hope you can. Do you want to drop your big liberal cell phone carrier? Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier, is a perfect solution. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile guarantees your coverage. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. And switching to Patriot Mobile usually only takes 15 to 20 minutes. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you shift your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Switching is easy. Just do what I did. Go to PatriotMobile.com. Or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. Yes, we had talked about the January 6th pipe bomber situation on an earlier episode of the Doc Washburn Show, and yet we have these updates here that we feel duty-bound to share with you. So, we left off with Michael Schellenberger saying, while the FBI had 14,000 hours of high-quality surveillance video for the January 6th protesters, it somehow does not have any video of the suspect actually leaving the bomb, nor does it have high-quality video, including from the best angles of the suspect. That is an unbelievable coincidence, and yet it gets worse. Last year, the person who was in charge of the FBI investigation, the head of the Washington field office, admitted to Representative Thomas Massey that Vice President-elect Kamala Harris's life was actually never at risk. Massey said, do you think it was technically possible for a kitchen timer, Stephen D'Antuono, no, no, Massey, that has one hour duration, D'Antuono, no, Massey, to detonate a bomb 17 hours later, D'Antuono, no, I don't, and I saw the same kitchen timer as you, I agree, I don't know when they were supposed to go off, maybe they weren't supposed to go off, we can't, we don't know, we honestly don't know. Now, neither the FBI nor the DOJ ever announced that they had changed their mind about the bomb, nor had they or Kamala Harris or anyone else ever said publicly that Harris was at the DNC until late 2021, which is shocking since had January 6th protesters truly tried to kill the vice president-elect, an ambitious politician in a right mind would have milked that fact to maximum effect for years to come. 
In the case of Kamala Harris, it's the kind of thing that might have earned her the presidency. This is some crazy stuff here. Schellenberger continues, If that was the only odd thing about this case, it might be worth leaving alone. But it's not the only odd thing. It's one of many. The most amazing of which, being that despite the existence of 14,000 hours of surveillance video and the ability of the FBI to effectively get cell phone data on every American anywhere at any time, including through what is known as a geofence, which it had in place in the Capitol, the high-quality video of the bomber placing the bomb is missing. The cell phone data of the January 6th bomber was, according to the FBI, corrupted. Amazing coincidence, right? While FBI had cell phone data for the January 6th protesters, none of whom tried to kill anyone, it doesn't have the cell phone data for the one person who did. And while FBI had 14,000 hours of high-quality surveillance video for the January 6th protesters, it somehow does not have any video of the suspect actually leaving the bomb, nor does it have high-quality video, including from the right angles of the suspect. Enough is enough. From entrapping people to kidnap the governor of Michigan to COVID origins to January 6th, the FBI is plainly waging an illegal war on political populism. Congress must act now to impeach Director Christopher Wray. The Democrats must stop covering up for the FBI every day that passes while this cover-up continues. is a shame on the Democrat Party, on Congress, and on everyone else involved. Christopher Wray should resign and fess up. The FBI must clean house until it does. The American people should actively distrust the FBI and seek ways to stand up to the rogue, politicized agency until it can be brought to heel. It's Michael Schellenberger over at uh, Substack. I highly recommend that you plunk down $9 a month to subscribe to all the stuff he reports over there at, uh, at Substack. Powerful, powerful reporter. So, uh, Brother Dan Bongino has some thoughts. And I think, uh, I think I owe it to you to check in. Now, Brother Bongino sometimes uh, uses a little bit of salty language, but uh, I uh, I always kind of reverse that so I don't, uh, you know, don't offend your ears. But you get the idea, and here he is. We don't know the January 5th backpack guy. Weird, because we have his license plate and his Metro card. We don't know the identity of the January 6th bomb discovery guy, despite the fact he's a hero and a Capitol Hill police officer. It's strange. You know everybody else. Post-millennial drops this little bombshell yesterday morning by Hannah Nightingale. FBI blocked a surveillance team from interviewing the person of interest in the January 6th pipe bomb case. They note that the counterintelligence team used security footage to follow the person to a metro station. This is January 5th guy. And they, you know, the card used to access the transit system. The card allowed them to determine he got off a stop in Northern Virginia where the person was seen in their car. The car and the car registered in the name of, it was the name of an Air Force Chief Master Sergeant is now working as a contractor with a security clearance. 
Folks, that last angle is a new part. We covered that first, but that's the new part. Was a contractor with a security clearance? So I just want to be clear here. We don't know the identity of January 5th guy, despite the fact that the guy they're telling us is January 5th guy, who may have been the guy who dropped the bomb, is a guy with a security clearance. Meaning what? Why is this important? We end on this. What does that mean, folks? What do you have to do to get a security clearance? Yes, you have to sit there and oh, you probably be typing it. Fill out mounds of paperwork. Here's my dog's name. I had a security clearance. I had TSSCI, sensitive compartmented information. You've got to go, hey, here's my first residence. Here's my second residence. Here's a little trick. You got to name three people. When I was out and doing backgrounds, they go out and find three more people off the three people you named just to make sure you are who you say they are. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, I'm leaving it here because they know who this guy is. They've got a file on him because he's got a security clearance. And they also know who January 6th guy is who discovered the bomb because he's a Capitol Hill police officer. Ladies and gentlemen in the chat, you think there may have been a background check involved there? I'm telling you what happened here. This is the biggest scandal in politics right now. And an and absolute shame on any news organization refusing to cover this. Absolute shame. It certainly is. And yet, here's the thing. The... um. The news media is not, uh, they're not in business to report the news. They are in business to um, influence your beliefs and behavior. And a lot of that may be uh, controlled by the stories they don't cover. I mean, it's it's one thing to say, hey, you know, you have a slanted uh, viewpoint there, slanted coverage. But it's another thing, just not covering the first, first place. Now, the great Darren J. Beatty over at Revolver.News, exclusive article just came out. The plot thickens, damning new details emerge in January 6th pipe bomb cover-up. He says, Revolver News' years-long groundbreaking coverage of the January 6th pipe bomb story has finally reached escape velocity with the help of a remarkable and damning video released on account of Congressman Massey's heroic and persistent efforts. We encourage readers not fully caught up in the January 6th pipe bomb hoax to consult our latest and definitive pipe bomb piece here. As to the damning video in question depicting the discovery of the DNC pipe bomb, we refer to Darren Beatty's detailed and mega viral Twitter thread below, viewed over 12 million million times. And he says there on Twitter, below courtesy of Thomas Massey's the most damning explosive January 6th footage yet released. In my view, this will end up demolishing the regime's January 6th narrative and with it a major pillar of Democrats' 
2024 strategy. You paying attention, Kamala? He says the most striking feature of the footage depicting the discovery of the DNC bomb is the utter nonchalance of the Secret Service officials, Metro Police Department officials, and Capitol Police officers upon learning of the proximity of the bomb. The Metro Police Department officers didn't even bother getting out of their vehicles for about a minute after being informed of the bomb and proceeded to stand around in the most lackadaisical fashion imaginable once getting out of the vehicles. Most flagrantly, the video depicts a group of children who are allowed to cross the street toward the bomb and walk within feet of it with Secret Service agents standing around without a care in the world. This leads us to ask, how do we explain the utter indifference of the Secret Service to their own safety, to the safety of their protectee? Kamala Harris, then Vice President-elect, and passers-by, including a group of children. This indifference overwhelmingly suggests Kamala Harris' Secret Service detail knew that the DNC pipe bomb did not pose a threat. But this just raises the more damning question, how would they have known that this recently discovered DNC pipe bomb was a dud? As it so happens, Congressman Massey and a number of other judiciary officials had the opportunity to meet with relevant Capitol Police officials, including at least one Capitol Police officer who was present during the discovery of the DNC bomb depicted in the video. When asked the obvious and burning question as to why Secret Service officials, as well as Capitol Police officers on scene, were so utterly unconcerned with the recent discovered, with the recently discovered bomb just feet within their proximity, the Capitol Police responded that they and the Secret Service officials on scene reacted with such utter indifference in order not to cause panic. Now, think about this. The Secret Service is notified of the presence of an explosive device within feet of themselves. Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, whom they're supposed to protect, and children and other passers-by, and were supposed to believe that the officials did nothing because they didn't want to cause panic? If you believe that, we got a bridge in Brooklyn or a Fed surrection in D.C. to sell you. There's another major question surrounding the discovery of the DNC pipe bomb, and that is the timing for a full detailed breakdown of just how infinitesimally improbable the timing of the discovery of the DNC and RNC bombs was please consult our definitive pipe bomb piece. And they link to that. But they, they say now, as a summary, consider the following facts. First of all, at the time the DNC pipe bomb was discovered at 1.05 p.m., it had been sitting out fairly conspicuously undiscovered for over 17 hours. It was planted the evening before, we're told, at 8 p.m. We have long remarked upon the odd fact that the DNC bomb lay out in the open, undiscovered for over 17 hours. Indeed, no motorists, no pedestrians on a high foot traffic day, 
not the regularly stationed DNC security guard, who's normally posted within feet of where the bomb was planted, and of course, Secret Service of the United States managed to miss the DNC pipe bomb in their sweep of the area, the very same Secret Service that acted with such nonchalance upon being informed of the presence of the DNC bomb, to the point that it is clear for whatever reason they knew in advance that it was inert and benign. Next, when the DNC bomb was discovered at 1.05 p.m., this was scarcely after the first pipe bomb was discovered behind a trash can in a back alley by the Capitol Hill Club at 12.40 p.m. by a random pedestrian named Carlin Younger. Now, Ms. Younger reported the bomb to a Capitol Hill to a Capitol Hill Club security official, incidentally, who is a veteran of Capitol Police, and the Capitol Police began responding to this first bomb at 12.50 p.m., just three minutes before the initial and decisive West Perimeter Ray Epps breach of the Capitol grounds. So the first pipe bomb had been planted the evening before as well, and so like the DNC pipe bomb, it had just been sitting there where it was planted for over 16 hours before being discovered. So we're supposed to believe that the first pipe bomb was planted in a back alley behind a trash can, sat there for over 16 hours, and just happened to be randomly stumbled upon. Almost to the exact, almost to the exact minute as to be perfectly synchronized with the initial decisive attack on the west perimeter of the Capitol and the certification of the vote proceeding at 1 p.m. Furthermore, we're supposed to believe that after sitting for 17 hours undiscovered, the DNC pipe bomb was happened upon scarcely 15 minutes after the first pipe bomb was discovered, meaning that both pipe bombs had been sitting there for 16 to 17 hours and were independently randomly discovered within a 15-minute time frame that perfectly coincides with the unfolding attack of the Capitol. And, of course, the same Secret Service that somehow missed the DNC pipe bomb in its sweep is utterly nonchalant when informed of this bomb, despite this being merely 15 minutes after the first bomb was discovered. This leads us to the next question for the Capitol Hill police official. Could they provide some explanation for the remarkable timing of the discovery of the DNC bomb? What were the circumstances under which it was discovered? Here we get another severely inadequate answer. According to the Capitol Police officials, they were around the first pipe bomb when it was discovered and figured after the discovery of the first bomb that it would be worthwhile to check out to check around the DNC. And voila! They stumbled upon the DNC pipe bomb that had been out in the open, undiscovered by everyone, including Secret Service, for 17 hours. And they discovered it merely 15 minutes after the first pipe bomb was discovered. Under still, unbe- under still believable circumstances. Now, to fully appreciate how bizarre this is, it's important to remember that the whole DNC-RNC bomb parallelism is a retroactive fiction. The first bomb discovered was not an RNC bomb. It was discovered in the back alley by the Capitol Hill Club, which is adjacent to the RNC. But... There's no intuitive reason on the planet that after discovering a bomb by the Capitol Hill Club, these officers would think 
there would be another one at the DNC. Such a leap of logic would have been a stretch for Sherlock Holmes. And Holmes has a decency to show the chain of reasoning leading to his conclusions. From the Capitol Police, we're told that after the first bomb was discovered at the Capitol Hill Club, they just had a hunch, headed over to the DNC and found the bomb scarcely 15 minutes later. Upon discovering the bomb, however, somehow they and the Secret Service knew it was not a threat despite reports that it was viable. And still more remarkable, they knew not to look for a third bomb. Instead, think of that. They were told not only clairvoyant enough to assume that there might be a bomb near the DNC and Capitol Hill Club bomb was discovered, but instead of the obvious assumption that after two were found, there might be more bombs, they also somehow knew that there were two and only two bombs. Give us a break. Up until this point, the damning reporting done over at Revolver News has overwhelmingly suggested that January 6 pipe bombs were in operation and that the investigation into the bombs was a fact to cover up. Before learning of the conversations in this article, though, Darren J. Beatty says we would have said the chance of January 6 pipe bombs being a hoax and cover-up was 99% leaving a 1% chance that some bizarre, exotic, but plausible and innocent explanation could be given for the anomalies we've covered. Now we're in a position to rule out that remaining 1% of doubt. The January 6th pipe bombs are 100% a hoax, 100% a cover-up. What's more, we know who is covering it up. Stay tuned. When this fully blows up, it will be the biggest story in the country and the biggest scandal in American history. So that is the great Darren J. Beatty over at Revolver.News, article entitled, The Plot Plot Thickens, Damning New Details Emerge in January 6th Pipe Bomb Cover-Up. Okay, and we have more coming up as the Doc Washburn Show continues. Mike Lindell says because of your amazing support for MyPillow 2.0, He's expanded MyPillow's USA manufacturing and jobs. So he's clearing out his percale bedsheets by giving them to you at closeout prices. King size percale bedsheets, only $39 a set. Queen size, only $35 a set. Full size, $29 and twin size, just $25. Use promo code DWS to take advantage of this once in a lifetime offer. Right now, Mike's biggest My Slippers closeout sale ever is on. Get Mike's all-season My Slippers and Sandals at clearance prices. Mike's all-season moccasin slippers are just $25. Mike's My Slippers Sandals are just $19.50. They're both made with Mike's patented impact gel that absorbs and relieves pressure so you can comfortably wear them all day long. Just use promo code DWS for huge discounts. Remember, DWS stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com. Quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code DWS. You know, the great Ronald Reagan once said, inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. Have you thought about the benefits of investing in precious metals? 
Here are five profound benefits. Number one, investing in precious metals is a hedge against inflation. Number two, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, asset liquidity. Number four, precious metals tend to be a store of value. They don't tend to depreciate over the long haul. And last but not least, number five, precious metals can be a hedge against geopolitical uncertainty and the struggling U.S. dollar. Andrew Sorcini with Beverly Hills Precious Metals has been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Beverly Hills Precious Metals brings precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. Mike Flynn told us about them, and they are our gold buyer of choice. To find out more, just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Make sure you ask about the general Mike Flynn silver coin and tell them Doc Washburn sent you. Beverly Hills Precious Metals helps folks protect their finances, wealth, and investments. Hey, let me ask you something. Why continue shopping big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now you can get around this crazy inflation by shopping factory direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. Americans are walking away from the big box conglomerates and deciding to buy only USA. Join with fellow patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. These products include fresh American-raised beef, raised in the Montana mountains near Yellowstone. This beef is known as Never Ever. Never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics, hormones, or vaccines. This prime or high-choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive only to our members and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. Email us at buyonlyusa at proton.me, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. Buyonlyusa at proton.me. All right, I want to take a look at some alarming numbers about the U.S. military. So we've got the guy whose Twitter profile is um, and wokeness. It says the U.S. Army now has its smallest military force in 80 years with the largest drop coming from white recruits. In, 28, in 2018, there were 44,000 white recruits. In 2023, that number fell to just 25,000. What could have possibly caused this? And then he's got General Mark Thoroughly Modern Millie saying this. And I, I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America? What caused Oh, I don't know. What causes you to lie about it? Because that's not true, and you know it's not true. I mean, head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and he's lying about his fellow countrymen. That. I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, and guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders now and in the future do understand it. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read, I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't. I'll bet you have. Oh, I'll bet you have. Make me a communist. No, it doesn't make you a communist. But if you're a communist, you're going to want to read that stuff. So what is wrong with... You're wrong. ...understanding 
having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend. Now, remember, this is the guy that publicly announced after Trump left office that he had told his Chinese counterpart, whoever the uh, guy in China is who has the job that would be analogous to being the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, don't worry if we attack your country, I'll call you and let you know first. Oh, really? So that'd be like, what do you call uh, treason, right? Yeah, that's nuts, man. That's nuts. Um, more from Brother Bongino. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm honored to call Dan Bongino a friend. Guy who's alleged to have dropped the bomb in front of the DNC headquarters that could have killed Kamala Harris. I guess it was a viable bomb. That's what the FBI told us. They found a Metro card. And the fare card then allowed them to determine that the person got off of a Metro stop in Northern Virginia where surveillance footage showed the person entering a car. Tony, you have a car? Does that have a license plate? It does. Tony, why does the car have a license plate? Do you have any idea? Sky, man. He's like a criminal investigator. So he can like keep track of people and cars on the, on the road. They know both the car and the fare card were in the name of the same person. Nish, you old Joe. What a coincidence. So freaking weird. That's weird. What the? That's so crazy. The same guy. The same guy. They know he's a retired Air Force Chief Master Sergeant who's now working as a contractor with a security clearance, they said. Oh, what the? Oh, here we go. He just dropped the penalty flag. Uh, I like Bongino. He uh, has good sense of humor. But um, that's... That's some real legit stuff he's concerned about there. It's uh it's a setup. And it's obviously a setup. Oh, by the way, did you hear uh, Ray Epps, the guy who was uh urging people to go into the Capitol building, was given um six months probation. And a um, $500 fine. You hear about that? But they insist that you believe that he's not a Fed. Matter of fact, matter of fact the FBI has denied. Nope. Ray Epps is not one of ours. Well, I mean... Just because he's not FBI doesn't mean that he's not a Fed, but they think we're stupid. And they think that answers that. Outrageous. Look, we got a breaking story that is of great concern. Peaceful pro-life protesters convicted facing 11 years in prison. Eric Lundrum has a story over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. On Tuesday, six pro-life activists who engaged in a peaceful protest three years ago were convicted on federal charges and now face up to 11 years in prison. As Breitbart reports, the Biden administration first announced 
the charges against the group of peaceful protesters back in October 2022, stemming from an incident on March 5, 2021 in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. On that day, the group sat on the floor outside the entrance to the Carafem Health Center Clinic, located on the second floor of a larger office building, praying for the unborn babies being aborted inside the building, as well as singing hymns. They did not block the doorway or otherwise confront anyone going in or coming out of the clinic. Nevertheless, the Biden administration's Department of Justice charged them under the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, a law which makes it a federal crime to block access to a medical clinic, including an abortion facility. The six who were charged were 51-year-old Coleman Boyd of Bolton, Mississippi, 73-year-old Chet Gallagher, Lebanon, Tennessee, 56-year-old Dennis Green, Cumberland, Virginia, 58-year-old Heather Edoni of Michigan, 55-year-old Paul Vaughn of Centerville, Tennessee, and 57-year-old Calvin Zastro of Michigan. In addition to the FACE Act charges, Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances, these six were also convicted on the charge of felony conspiracy against rights, which carries a steeper penalty of 11 years in prison and individual fines of up to $250,000. Now, this Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, the FACE Act, that, that bill that Bill Clinton signed into law, that was Teddy Kennedy's baby. But he had to get a majority vote in the Senate, and one of the Republicans who voted in favor of this was Mitch McConnell. So please, please, if you're one of my listeners in Kentucky, please don't try to make the case at any point that Mitch McConnell is actually pro-life, because he isn't. He definitely isn't. In addition, four other activists are still awaiting trial for charges relating solely to the FACE Act without the additional conspiracy charge. And those people are 25-year-old James Zastro of Eldon, Missouri, 24-year-old Ava Zastro of Dover, Arkansas, 24-year-old Paul Plays of Centerville, Tennessee, and 87-year-old Ava Adel of Aiken, South Carolina. She is a Holocaust survivor. One other activist, 24-year-old Caroline Davis of Michigan, accepted a plea deal last year and agreed to testify for the government in its case. Wow. That's a shame. The six are expected to have their sentencing sometime in July. The judge in the case was Judge Alita Trauger, who was appointed by Bill Clinton. The outcome marks the latest example of the Biden DOJ's systematic targeting of peaceful pro-life activists with extreme force and unwarranted heavy sentences. The most infamous example of recent memory is the arrest of Mark Halk, a pro-life pastor who faced prior charges under the FACE Act after he and his son were assaulted by a pro-abortion activist outside of a clinic. Although the charges were dismissed by a federal judge, the DOJ revived the charges and sent a team of armed agents to storm Halk's house and arrest him at gunpoint with his family present. 
He was eventually acquitted, and Halk is now running for Congress in Pennsylvania's 1st Congressional District, emphasizing his persecution at the hands of the federal government. Well, I certainly hope he wins. That is um, Eric Lindrum over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, article entitled Peaceful Pro-Life Protesters Convicted Facing 11 Years in Prison. Man, I don't know where the time goes. Let's check out our two of the day brought to you by Red River Auto. Red River Auto's big old car dealership in the middle of the USA believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice online the way you want to. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. Now, this is a multi-parter. We got uh, libs of TikTok with a flashback to when Ilhan Omar accidentally let slip where her allegiances lie. Referencing Somalia, she says, my country, before quickly correcting herself and saying, the country I came from. Now, remember, this is Ilhan Omar when she was talking about the 9-11 attacks on the U.S. She referred to that as some people did something. So somebody respond. Oh, Jesse Kelly, the great uh, talk show host out of Texas, Houston, Texas, said, don't criticize Ilhan Omar for being honest. Criticize the people who created the conditions where a person like this can be elected here. And somebody said, you have something against the popular vote, Jesse Kelly? To which Jesse Kelly responded, I do. Many people are too stupid to have a say in who gets to govern a nation. If you had told the founders that one day everyone who lives to be 18 years old would get a say and who runs the country, the founders have probably just given it back to the British. And that's today's Tweet of the Day brought to you by RedRiverAuto.com. You have been listening to episode 424 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. If you have any questions for us, email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X, Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability for the Doc Washburn Show. And that's the way it is. Thursday, February 1st, 2024.